profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that would believe not, and who would and who should betray him. 
And he said, therefore, said I unto you, that no man can come to me except it were given unto him of my father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Good evening, my brothers and sisters, and God bless you, and welcome to another segment of Kingdom Empowerment Radio. This is your host this evening, Chaplain Kevin Graves, with you every second and fourth Monday of each month. It is a pleasure being with you yet again. Uh, Tonight's topic is part two of Calvinism versus Arminianism. Part two of Calvinism versus Arminianism. And uh, as we start every segment, we always begin in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of coming before you. Lord, we thank you for allowing us to come together again as a family, Lord, a family of believers, Lord, and even those who are not believers, we thank you, Lord, for uh, opening up the phone lines and opening up the hearts and minds of people who want to know more about you. Uh, We thank you for this opportunity on Kingdom Empowerment Radio. We thank you for the privilege of going out and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with so many people. Heavenly Father, I just ask that, Lord, you would open up the hearts and the minds of those who are listening, Lord, in the United States and abroad. We thank you for the privilege of taking this great gospel to every nation. And I thank you for the privilege of allowing me to be a part of it. It is a privilege, it is an honor to be a part of this this, uh, kingdom empowerment uh, radio. Uh, And I just thank you for your message that you're going to be sending to your people this evening. Be glorified in and through it. I thank you in Jesus' name. We pray and all God's people say amen. God bless you, my brothers and sisters. And again, thank you for being with me tonight. I'm just going to do a quick recap on what we've discussed already. Uh, For those who are familiar with Uh, John Calvin and Jacobus Arminius, uh, for those who are not, uh, John Calvin was a 16th century French theologian during the time of the Protestant Reformation. And Jacobus Arminius, uh, actually, he goes by a different name. Uh, His his other name, uh, many people don't know this, uh, his other name is Jacob, J-A-K-O-B, Harmenzun, H-A-R-M-E-N-S-Z-O-O-N. Uh, we call him uh, Jacobus Arminius. Uh, Jacobus uh, is a French, was a French, excuse me, was a Dutch theologian during the time of the Protestant Reformation. And what I had shared with you in the first segment is that uh, the beliefs of these two men are, are, are interesting, uh, similar, but nevertheless there there are some differences. And as uh, I go through this, you may find that you identify with a little bit of both. And I have found uh, that to be the case in, in my studying of these two men and and, uh, what they believe. Uh, Interestingly enough, uh, John Calvin 
at one point in his life uh, was an attorney. Uh, he became a pastor in Geneva, Switzerland, and uh, the system that uh, we call Calvinism focuses on the sovereignty of God's word. It teaches that God, by his grace, predestines people into salvation, that Jesus died only for those predestined. Uh, moreover, God regenerates the individual uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, where he is then able to and wants to choose God, and that it is impossible for those who are the elect of God to lose their salvation. Uh, there's an acronym which uh, I would want all the listeners, if you're not familiar with the acronym of TULIP, T-U-L-I-P, uh, the T standing for total, total depravity, also known as total inability and original sin, the original sin meaning uh, the transgression of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden when uh, Eve and Adam both ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, thus disobeying uh, what God had told uh, them to do not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Thus, uh, their transgression has plunged uh, humankind into sin, Adam and Eve both being the uh, mother and father of the human race. Uh, the U stands for unconditional election, meaning that uh, the election process uh, goes by whom God has predetermined who will be saved, uh, meaning that uh, before the foundation of the earth, before there was a heaven and the earth, uh, God had preordained individuals uh, just to give you a little example of uh, what I'm talking about, uh, many of you are familiar with the scripture in, in the book of the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 1, verse 5, where the Lord had said, the word had came uh, to the prophet Jeremiah. Uh, then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. So when... The Lord is speaking to Jeremiah. That means, in essence, there was a point in time where God had already preordained or predetermined that, that the prophet Jeremiah was going to lead the nations. He was going to be a seer, a mouthpiece for God. So th this is not something that the prophet Jeremiah got up out of his bed one morning and decided to do in his own strength. This was something that was, again, preordained. Uh, he did not will this. Uh, it was not his desire. He did not go to any sort of institute or school uh, to become a prophet. This was something that, again, my brothers and sisters, was preordained. Uh, moving on, uh, we have a limited atonement. Now, I know that probably sounds a little difficult for some people to understand. A limited atonement. Wow, so then Jesus Christ did not die for everyone. He died for a select few. Uh, well, yes, that, that is what this particular uh, teaching and Calvinism uh, teaches. Now, that, now, you may say that, well, wait a second. 
um, that goes against John 3.16. And I, I would agree with that because the word says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life, have, have everlasting life, excuse me. So, for God so loved the world. So, this is a message or a teaching of God's elect, then what about the scripture, in, as I just quoted in John 3.16? Uh, my brothers and sisters, we don't know who the elect are. The elect uh, do not have a, 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 a sign around their neck. These are individuals who are in the world, which is why when Jesus Christ gave us a commission, he says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. That is, our, that is the message of Jesus Christ, and that is what we should be doing at this time. So when we talk about an elect, we don't know who these folks are. So this is not people, God knows, but we don't know. So the message is very, very clear. The message is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now the elect, whoever they are, whoever these individuals are, these are the individuals, when they hear, as the word of God says, as Jesus says, a scripture I just read to you, it says, it is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Now, tragically, in this particular case, there were, there were some that heard what Jesus was saying. But in verse 66, it says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And if we move on to verse 67, the scripture says, then said Jesus unto the twelve, will ye also go away? Verse 68 reads, Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure, hallelujah, that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it is for he it was that should betray him being one of the twelve. So, in essence, Simon Peter says, but Lord, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. So, for those who did not go with him any longer, they had the free will, and I want to go into free will as well, they had the choice to either stay the course or remain with Jesus. Now, Simon Peter answered and says, where am I going to go? Where am I going to go? Simon Peter being one of the chosen, and yes, Judas Iscariot too, being one of the chosen. But however, one of the twelve, well, he was one of the twelve who was called that devil. So is it possible to be chosen and lose your salvation? Mm, well, not according to the word of God. Not according to the word of God. Because here's, here's the thing. If God has already predetermined, yes, he predetermined that Judas Iscariot was going to be one of the 12. He also knew that he was going to betray him. So now there's another question right there, and there, I heard someone ask this question since I brought up free will. There was a gentleman that asked a question that says, well, uh, I don't see how it is that we have a free will if God has already determined what he's going to do. 
I just don't see how free will is relevant if the outcome has already been determined. And the response that I heard concerning this was very interesting because the gentleman who was who responded to this to this gentleman's question says it's very important it's very important that we make a very clear dis- a distinction between that which has been determined and free will meaning that in order for you to make a statement that we don't have free will or some may say well there is no god uh that is based on a thought process that person is thinking outside of uh, of predetermination. Let me explain that a little bit further. I don't want to confuse anybody. God has already predetermined. He's already preordained his plan. That's final. Now, man will then say, well, you know, I don't believe there's a God. You tell me there's a God. You, 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 you're, you're, you're bringing this message of salvation and, and, and that there is a God and there's total depravity and there's unconditional uh, uh, election and limited atonement. Well, I don't necessarily agree with that. Now, remind you, how is it that you're coming to this conclusion? You, in your own mind, there's already a, 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 a system of thinking there. We are not robots. We're not thinking this, okay, uh, 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 robotically. We're think these are thoughts that have been formed uh, either through uh, something that we have gone through, an experience. Perhaps it's a teaching. Perhaps uh, uh, these are individuals who have uh, sought God and, pr- and actually did, excuse me, pray and didn't have their prayers answered. Maybe these are individuals that say that I, I, there's so much evil in the world, I don't believe there's a God. And there are people who think that way. They say, well, there's no way there can be a God if there's so much evil in the world. Now, I'm bringing up a whole bunch of questions here that I'm sure some people uh, may ask themselves. Well, wait a minute. Uh, we recently hear about uh, these uh, uh, random bombings in Austin, Texas. Uh, we hear about terrorist attacks. We hear about school shootings, uh, uh, mass shooting. Uh, with all this evil, children, young children, babies dying. Uh, you mean to tell me with all of this going on, there's a God? How is that possible? And I'm here to tell you, my brothers and sisters, regardless of where you stand with the beliefs of uh John Calvin or Jacobus Arminius, I am here to tell you, yes, there is a God. And where there's bad, there is evil. Because if we're going to say, why is there evil, we must also say, well, then there must be something to balance that. If there's evil, then there must be good, right? Okay, so uh, we need to understand that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I don't know about any other God. I know about this God, at least in part. That this God is a good God. He is a God who is loving. He is a God who is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, full of goodness. And we have to first, when we first to understand the Lord, 
we must understand his nature. We must understand his character. So when we say there's no God, when we say there can't be a God because there's so much evil in the world, we must, number one, examine the very nature of God. And I would ask that question, how many of us have really sought the nature of God? Do we really know anything about him? We're quick to criticize him, but do we really know anything about him? And we do this with people as well. We're quick to label people. We're quick to to criticize people without having known anything about them, without having sought them to get to know them. So I want to take this time to, again, get to know John Calvin, and, and also to get to know Jacobus Arminius. Why do these men believe what they do? Where are these teachings coming from? And when we look at Jacobus Arminius, um, and as I said to you earlier, uh, his views are very, very similar to that of John Calvin, um, where there is a difference. Um, he believes Jacobus Arminius uh, believed in atonement for all, meaning that Jesus' death was for all people, and that all people have an opportunity for salvation through faith. I want to emphasize the faith part. I don't want people to think that, okay, uh, the teachings of Arminius was strictly about a bunch of people that believe that, okay, this, this, this uh, opportunity uh, uh, for salvation is for all people, but it comes with a caveat. And that caveat is that you have faith in Jesus Christ. It just isn't something that is freely given to us without us having to uh, deposit something. It requires us to, to come to Christ, to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Uh, he also believes that grace is resistible, meaning that grace is for all people, however, Grace can be freely either accepted or denied. Grace can be either freely accepted or denied. He also believes that man has a free will to either accept or reject the gospel of Jesus Christ and that election is conditional, not unconditional, that God alone determines who will, who will be saved and uh, this determination is based on, as I said, uh, the belief that uh, Jesus Christ came, died, and rose from the grave. So it's faith in Jesus Christ and the message of Jesus Christ. So uh, now many listeners may say, well, okay, that sounds good. I don't have any problem with Arminius. I don't necessarily have any problem with John Calvin either. And it's not necessarily to pick one or the other. Uh, and the whole purpose of this discussion is not to uh, have the listeners either choose one or the other. You can take from either or, if you like, and say, hmm, yeah, this makes sense. And, and, and use the scriptures. Use the scriptures to, to uh, support uh, the different viewpoints uh, that are being heard here uh, from both theologians. So it's a very interesting study. I, I really uh, enjoy this type of study. It's good to know um, it's also excellent for evangelism. Uh, you're going to come across people who are going to ask you, who's John Calvin? I don't know how many people are actually going to do that, but you may have uh, a discussion where uh, you may talk about Jacobus Arminius and, and predestination. Uh, you may find yourself getting into an apologetic type of a, a conversation. This is all good to know. 
so this is merely information for the listeners, merely information uh, uh, because, again, as you evangelize, people are going to ask us, uh, what is it that you believe? Why do you believe it? You believe in predestination or uh, you, you believe that God preordains? Well, why do you believe it? Uh, can, can you show me biblically where uh, God has uh, elected a, a people uh, to himself? These are serious questions, and I really uh, would like to think that my time, as short as it may be on kingdom empowerment, is used to empower, it is used to equip, it is used to uh, prepare people uh, for serious questions. And when we think about evil, getting back to, we were talking about uh, good and evil and, and, and free will, and, uh, you know, we, we, t- we talk about free will, which is the ability to choose between different possible courses of action unimpeded. Free will is the ability to choose between different possible courses of action unimpeded. So when you say there is no God, that's coming from somewhere. For you, that is a statement of truth. I can disagree with it. That's not my reality. That's not my truth. But for the person that says there is no God, I will not attack them in a sense where, oh, you're wrong because that is their truth statement. That is what they believe. So therefore, outside of what God has already predetermined, there is an individual or or a group of individuals to believe that he does not exist. And that is the difference, and that's why it's important. I'm trying to make a very clear distinction between what God has already determined versus what people think based on life experiences, based on what has happened to them. They have now come to a conclusion that God does not exist. Now, God's will is perfect. God's will is perfect. His predetermined plan is perfect, regardless of what we say. So what we need to understand is that there are people who, who are coming from different philosophical views, different worldviews, and this is what they believe, and they believe in evolution. They believe in science, and it's good to be able to show them where God is in science. There's evil? Yes, there's evil. Well, your God is evil. Well, well, based on what scripture? Based on what? If Do you know much about him? It's always good to ask these questions. It's not, and let me emphasize this, we do not want to engage in a debate or an argument over these sorts of things, even though there are what we call debates. Uh, we have different Individuals from various faith, uh, Catholics, uh, having debates or discussions with uh, Protestants, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, with uh, those who are Protestant or even Catholic. So we have these discussions, and these, I, I think that's the word that really should be used. Let's have a discussion. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about one another's faith. Um, let's get to know one another. Why is it that you believe what you believe? And that's the beauty of Kingdom Empowerment Radio. And I know that's, I've mentioned this before, and I guess I'm endorsing Kingdom Empowerment Radio, and I will continue to do so. That's why there's a radio station such as this. That's why we have 
uh, a place where people can come and talk about these types of issues uh, because these are issues that we need to talk about. These, these are very serious issues. And I always like to have my door open uh, for anyone who wants to talk about this sort of thing because these are questions, believe it or not, that people either are hesitant to ask or they don't want to ask because they don't want to seem like, oh, they're di- they, they don't want to appear to be different. But it's okay. Please ask the questions. Please ask the questions because you don't want to, again, go away ignorant. And when someone asks you, it's like, oh, wow, you know, uh, I didn't know that. You know, maybe I should have asked the question. Now, here in Kingdom Empowerment, we don't have all the answers. So if I don't have an answer to something, uh, I will get back to you. I'll do my research, and I will get back to you. Uh, so that's pretty much uh, what I want to say at this point in time. It's now 7.59 p.m. Uh, again, this is part two of Calvinism versus Arminianism. Uh, I would like to uh, take this time to open up the phone lines. I'm going to be with you uh, for one hour. I'm with you until uh, from 7.30 until 8.30. Uh, so at this time, I would like to take this opportunity to open up the phone lines for any questions or comments on tonight's subject, Calvinism versus Arminianism. Caller, you're on the air. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Good evening, woman of God. Good evening. God bless you, man of God. Uh, once again, this is a, a very amazing, uh, very informative topic. Um, I wanted to make a statement in reference to um, something that you shared, and I want to take it from a practical approach. Um, one of the things that I do want to say is that uh, you mentioned about the problem of evil, which is one of the philosophical questions that many people have, of the problem of evil. If God is so good, why would he allow evil to exist? One of the things that I find to be very... I'm sorry? I'm here. I'm listening, woman of God. Yes, one of the things that I find very interesting um, is that there are many people, especially atheists particularly, uh, they would say, uh, what in reference to what I just shared, if God is so good, then uh, why would he allow evil? Which, which I believe is a, a double standard because I've never heard anyone ever pleading with the devil, saying to him, devil, well, since you're so bad, why don't you stop doing bad so good can happen to us? <laughs> And that's number one. That's one of the things I find to be very interesting. Why don't they plead with the the devil to ask him, why are you still doing all this bad? Hmm. Uh, But they are, they, people rather would believe the existence of evil. They believe the existence of evil because it's tangible. Right. But they never question the one who the evil is derived from, where the mm. origin of evil is coming from. They question, they question a God in whom they don't believe, but you're still questioning him. So how can you question something that doesn't exist to you? Which means that not only that, not only that, 
You're questioning God. God, if you're so good, why do you allow all this to happen? Which simply means there's something in, innate that's within us that knows that God is good. Whether you have faith in God or not, there's something innate that's inside of us that tells you that he's good because there's still a dependency on an independent God because you're asking him, why don't you stop this problem? So if you don't believe in him, why do you even ask, in, ask something that doesn't believe, that you don't believe exists? That's irrational. Correct. Yes. It's irrational to ask something that does not exist to resolve, to resolve a problem that does exist. So, mm. as I said in retrospect, that whether they want to deny his existence, they know within themselves that he does exist. And why don't they plead with the, the devil to tell him to stop the evil uh, um, uh, since they believe so much in him? Why don't you ask of his ability? So these are things that I, I, I ask myself. Now, that's one argument that I wanted to, wanted to propose. The other thing that I wanted to say, uh, you mentioned, and please correct me if I'm wrong, you've mentioned something about... Um, that God chooses the elect, and you talked about Judas, and uh, God knew all things. They were everything were already predestined to happen, pre- the plan of predetermination. Everything was predestined to happen. So really, did um, Judas have the ability to exercise his free will? And my answer is yes. Now, as I said to you before, I'm going to take it from a practical approach. One of the things that I love about the scripture that I believe people don't really look into and begin to ask God to illuminate the scriptures is that one of the things that I saw how God did allow Judas and even Peter for that matter to exercise their free will in spite of it being a plan of predetermination. One of the things that I love is that when they were all at the table at the last supper, the last supper, is a representation for Judas was a representation of him having the opportunity to exercise his free will. Mm. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. This is powerful because when they were at the last supper, Jesus was still in fellowship with Judas. Mm. Watch this. Was still in fellowship with him. This means that he was giving Judas an opportunity to say, you can still be a part of, part of the predetermined plan. Watch this, because I'm still in fellowship with you. But he said this, because I know all things, he said, one of you who dip your head in this bowl with me is going to betray me. Now, Judas already knew he was going to betray Jesus. But that was the opportunity for him to exercise his free will. So the plan of predetermination was still still, uh, there. But it was really, uh, yes, God knew that Judas was going to betray him. But the plan of predetermination was still there. And I believe that that all things still uh, work together for God's good and his purpose. Because he still had the opportunity to exercise his free will. He knew that he was going to betray him. All he had to simply do was say, Lord, forgive me. Now, I know that had he said forgive me, then 
But what would be the next plan for him to go to the cross? But I believe, this is my belief, that the that free will was still being exercised. Yes. Because watch this. Yes. Now, even when you look at Peter, he even told Peter, because God does nothing uh, uh, without revealing it, is what I'm pretty much saying. God doesn't yes. do anything without revealing it, because had he not revealed it, then how would God be fair? That's right. So he revealed it to do this, that you're going to betray me. I know it because I'm all-knowing. But you have an opportunity to repent. Likewise with Peter, you're going to, you're going to deny me. But Peter did something about it. He was, he, Peter was repentant in his heart. Same thing with Jezebel. He gave Jezebel a chance to repent. Amen. But did she repent? No, all of these within the scripture on the text shows God's mercy. And God's mercy, once again, is an extension of, his, of free will. I'm going to say it again. His mercy is an extension of free will. And I don't mean to take up too much time, but no, that's no, no. just what I wanted to no. say. No, thank you. Thank you for that. You, you said, uh, say that last part again, free will. No, I, I said that God's mercy is an extension of free will. I'm writing as you're talking. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Uh, yes, absolutely. You know, it's amazing since you, since we went in the direction of Judas, uh, God know, God knew, excuse me, foreknew that Judas was going to betray him. But as you said beautifully, God was still willing to make a way of escape at the at at the Last Supper, he was still willing to say, you know, what? I'm going to make a way of it. I know what you're going to do, but by God doing this is revealing to us that you know what He is merciful. Because yes, if we search deeply into that scripture, we know the outcome. We know what Judas did, but God, again, what does the word say? And God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But we understand that uh, uh, Satan had entered into Judas to betray Jesus, and, um, of course, that was a part of our salvation plan. I think for a lot of us who call God unjust, we really need to examine ourselves. What spirit is, is operating there? Because we have to understand that, number one, we come from a, when we talk about total depravity, we're coming from a place of, 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 number one, we're not righteous. The Bible says in Psalms 51 verse 5, behold, King David said, behold, I was brought forth or shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So King David is acknowledging a sin nature. He's acknowledging where he came from. So we must acknowledge, and not every, and in some uh, uh, sects of Christianity, this is not something that is taught when it comes to original sin, um, which is unfortunate. We have to understand, the scripture makes it very clear about our nature, that there's none righteous, no, not one. And when we say things about, oh, there is no God, and God is evil, and if there's so much evil, how could there be a God. Uh, we have to understand, again, that these 
view these worldviews or, 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 or points of view come from a place of either hurt, ignorance, I'm going to probably say more ignorance than anything else, because if you have a personal relationship with the true God, the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, if you have a personal relationship with him and you know him, then there's no way you would call him unjust. Uh, Job made it very, very clear. He said, he said so to his wife, who I, you know, in my own opinion, think that she was under the influence of Satan when she said it. When Job was going through his, his uh, time of difficulty, when he had lost his family and his possessions, and, and Job's wife said, uh, how is it that you uh, 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 maintain or hold on to your integrity, uh, curse God and die? And, and Job replied, he says, <laughs> he says, woman, you speak as the foolish women speak. Uh, how is it that you can uh, receive good from God and not evil? Now, um, so when we look at this, when Job, who had received the good from God, now all of a sudden uh, was receiving evil, uh, again, by what God had allowed to come into his life, to afflict him, God knew. He knew. The Lord God, Elohim, knew that, 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 that Job was going to come out of this with the victory. He knew that. Now, did Job struggle? Of course he did. And absolutely, and in, and I guess in, when we read about Job, I think we can learn a few lessons there uh, with regards to fellowship, who we associate ourselves with. We certainly don't want to have people in our corner who are going to tear us down when we're going through difficult times or criticize us. You say, oh, you call yourself a Christian. Mm-hmm. You see, you pray for other people, right, and you're strong for other people, but... <laughs> When when uh, when 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 trial and tribulation and pain comes your way, look at you. You you come you 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 go to pieces. Now when we're going through things, we don't necessarily want to hear that. So when we're going through struggles, it's important that we align ourselves with people who are going to pray us through it, with people who are going to empower mm-hmm. us through prayer. And not criticize us and say, "Oh, you're supposed to be so anointed. You're supposed to be a man, a woman of God." And look at you—you crying on your—you're on your face. You're complaining, and and, and yeah, and I, I receive—I take that for myself because you know there are times even in my own assignments, you know, uh, I guess in some way uh, I've struggled, you know, with my assignment, and and they say, "Wow, you know, you're a man of God, and here you are, you know, you're complaining. Uh, why? It, it well." <laughs> That's the human aspect of being a follower. We're going to go through trials and tribulations, and some of us may complain as we go through it. But as I said, as we're going through, it's important to align ourselves with people who are going to make us better, people who are going to edify us and help us get through it and not criticize us. So, uh, woman of God, absolutely. Thank you so much for that. You, 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 you said a mouthful. And I think it's very important that we, again, before we criticize, whether it be a human being or we criticize God, uh, it's important that we first get to know who we're talking about before we do it. Uh, so I think a lot of us, we're, 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 when we speak and we talk about certain things, and um, certainly I've been guilty of this too, uh, it's important to speak from a place of understanding, a place of knowledge, Rather than just uh, just talk to talk, but uh, information 
and background is very, very important, so this way uh, we don't end up doing more harm than good. And, uh, yes, um, I would also, at this time, uh, it is approximately 8.14 p.m. to uh, open up the phone lines for anyone else who has any additional questions or comments uh, on this topic, Calvinism versus Arminianism. If there's any additional questions or comments at this time, if not, I'll continue. Yes, man of God. I have I have another statement that I want to make, please. Amen. Yeah, the statement I want to say is that what made Judas the perfect candidate to to be the one to sort of pave the way so Christ can go to the cross because had it not been for that betrayal, which which we thank God for, I mean, it sounds a little harsh, but you thank God for the betrayal. Oh. Um, because if it wasn't for that, then uh, there would be no remission of sin. There would have been no atonement, as we're, as we're speaking of, no crucifixion, no ascension. We would not have the privileges that we have today. But what makes Judas the candidate that uh, God would use um, to to be betrayed so that he can get to the cross. Now, many people may argue, say, well, that's not fair. You know, why would, why didn't he just go to the cross? Why would he use Judas to betray him and disqualify himself to, uh, to get him to the cross? So one with the carnal mind will perceive it as God is using people as his pawn because I've heard that before. You know, like a game of uh, a game of chess and using people as his pawn. Well, what made him the candidate to be Judas is not that God chose him to be Judas. Well, I'm going to choose you and elect you to be evil so that way you can pave the way for me. No. That's that's not how he elected uh, Judas to do that. See, remember, Judas, I know, as you mentioned before, that he chose 12 and one of them was a devil. The reason why Christ would say that is because he already foreknew that there was no repentance in him. So I'm going to say that again. He already knew that there were no repentance in him. That's what qualified him to be that perfect candidate. So God used his rebellion to create good. So I hope that makes, I hope that makes sense. So oftentimes that's what God does. He uses individuals evil or their iniquity or rebellion to create good. God only creates good, but does he use evil? Yes, he does. He uses it ultimately to create good. It's just like uh, in the scripture we're talking about Ezekiel. He says, oh, how you have fallen, oh, um, oh, Lucifer. This is Isaiah, actually. He has fallen, oh, you son of the morning star. And initially when God made a Lucifer, he created him perfect. All mankind, he created it to be perfect. But what did the scripture says? That iniquity was found in his heart. 
So evil is generated from our hearts, not from God. But when he was cast down into the garden and he caused uh, a mankind to fall, ultimately he says, okay, well, since this has happened, he used it and turned it off for good. He says, okay, well, I'm going to use the heel of the woman to bruise the head of the serpent. So God always have a plan ultimately that results in good. And so I just want to stress that topic there to let people know that God doesn't choose candidates of evil. He creates all things perfect, but he uses the evil to then create more good. So that's what I want to share in closing. Thank you. Can I, um, I would like to say something too. Absolutely. Go ahead, woman of God. No, thank you so much, woman of God, for bringing that point across. Um, it's so important that we know that. You know, um, uh, man of God, you were making a, a, a really good point when you were saying, you know, sometimes, you know, from a world's um, point of view, they would say, oh, God is unjust because of all the evil and all the corruption that's going on in the world. But, you know, um, I was recently ministering to someone, and I was letting them know that God is not the one who's doing it. I said, can you imagine how much of a better world it would be if if all men that were living here on this earth gave their life to the Lord? You know, because mm. what God offers, he offers a gift of love. He offers the gift of joy. He offers the gift of peace. But the good, the, the also, also something that we need to realize, God, he, he doesn't force nothing on anyone. He gives us choice. He gives us a choice. You know, and uh, something I wanted to to bring to the table, also I wanted to ask, too, is, you know, when God turns a man over to his reprobative mind, what does that mean? Does that mean that God has, you know, given up on him or saying, you know what, there's no hope, he's not going to ever turn to me? What does it mean when God turns a man over to his reprobative mind? Well, in fact, I'm going to go to the scripture where it talks about that in Romans, uh, Thank you, women of God, for sharing. I'm going to answer Great that back. question. And for those individuals who may not understand exactly what the woman of God is referring to, um, there's a scripture, exactly, yes, which speaks about that sort of thing, and that there are individuals uh, that will be delivered over, if you will. And let me just read, uh, I'll just read the scripture here. It okay. says, okay, it says right here, it says, I'll start at uh, chapter 1, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Yeah, Romans chapter 1, for those who are, who are joining in, it says, For this cause God gave them up unto vile, unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that, which is nat- which is nat- which is nature, excuse me, verse 27 of Romans chapter 1. And likewise also men leaving the natural use of woman burned in their lusts one toward another, men and women working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of that of their error which was meet. And even as God did not like to retain and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with their unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents without understanding, 
uh, covenant breakers without natural affections, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So to answer your question, um, these are individuals who either have rejected God, meaning they, they, they have some knowledge of God, but they've decided to, to go their own way. These are individuals who God has delivered over to the lust of their flesh. Because wow. that is what's taking preeminence right now. It is not so much a relationship with God, but it is, in essence, God uh, turning his back on these individuals. I'll give you an example. Uh, there's a scripture in the book of Jeremiah where the Lord had said that uh, he said he told the prophet Jeremiah not to pray for these particular individuals. And, wow. and now that that sounds very hard to believe that yeah, God yeah. Me, would would say to anyone, do not pray for them. So in essence, God is turning them over to their uh, vile affections. He's oh, turning my. them over to their to to their unnatural way of 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 coming together. Why? Because they have now changed the truth. Of God, as the scripture says, into a lie. They have worshipped and served the creature more than the creator. I'm just quoting scripture here, who is blessed yes. forever. And so this so when you do that, God is like He will literally say, Okay, now I'm going to uh turn you over to those things. Now, here's where the mercy comes in. Right. God is not willing that they should remain. In that mindset. So yeah. as the woman of God had quoted uh, uh, that the Lord had given Jezebel time to repent, he gives these individuals an opportunity. So he will lead you over to a reprobate mind, but the mercy of God will, 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 will send them uh, someone to remind them. I'm going to give you an example. Um, there are atheists out there. There are people yeah. who have... Uh, well, they call themselves Christian, but let's say they're Unitarian, meaning that yeah. they believe in one God, but they don't believe in the uh, 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 the Godhead or the Trinity, uh, the uh, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, yeah. So God is giving them an opportunity to enter into the truth, but if they maintain that lie, if they should... I certainly hope they wouldn't die in that lie. I'm certainly hoping that uh, they would come to Christ and understand uh, uh, Christ the way that the Bible intends for us to understand. Um, so with that said, yes, God will deliver people over. As the scripture says, he gave them over to the lust of their flesh. He gave them over to those things that were considered not convenient. And we have to also understand that God is a God of love, but he is also a God of justice. And he is a God who is holy. He cannot partner himself with unholiness. So that's Amen. why he has to give them over to the lust of their flesh. He has to give them over to these vile affections. Why? Because he can't partner with them. Their mind is not there. Their mind is not to partner with God. Their mind is only focused on what they're focused on. So it only makes sense that he does that, that he gave them over because God is holy, will not partner himself with unholiness. As we saw Amen. in the garden, 
as we sort of wrap up, I hope I, I hope I answered your question. Um, you and know, it, that's, that's I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was saying that that's really true. You know, thank you for answering my question because you know, you know, sometimes you know we as Christians, sometimes the world seems to judge us from the outside, you know, and, you know, as you said, God is a God of holiness. He's a God of righteousness. You know, he's a God of love, but he's a God of holiness and he's a God of righteousness. And, you know, sometimes, you know, people know us as Christians to be full of love and compassion and we're supposed to be full of love, but when it's time to stand up for the truth, we have to stand Mm -hmm. up for the truth. You know, we can't sugarcoat it. We can't go around the bush. We can't be around the corner. It has nothing to do with, oh, I hate you, or I don't, I, you know, I don't want to have nothing to do with you. But at the same time, God said to come up from amongst them, meaning, you know, if someone's not saying what you're saying, you know, and they don't want to go on the path that you're going, God doesn't want us to mingle. The reason why Jesus hung around the sinners is to win their souls. That was his, his sole purpose, was to win their souls, not to be in their circle and just to hang out and have a good time, but to win their souls, to bring the, 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 the truth to them so that they'll have a place with them in heaven, you know. So I just really wanted to put that on the table. Um, and thank you again for answering my question. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you, women of God, for, uh, for joining me tonight on Kingdom Empowerment Radio. Uh, one thing and we then, God, to- can I? Yes, yes. May I interject something really, really briefly before you close? I'll be quick, I promise. Absolutely. I just kind of want to piggyback on what you all shared, which is a powerful uh, statement uh, talking about the reprobate mind. Um, I do want to say this real quickly, that a reprobate mind, when, when God turns a person over to the reprobate mind, it does not mean the exemption of redemption. Mm, yes. Yeah. Right? Amen. But watch, watch this. It's the lack of repentance thereof. That causes one to stay in your sin where God then turns his back. Because remember, the lack of repentance is turning your back on God. So then it leaves God no choice to turn his back as well because it's conditional. He cannot look at sin. So really it's conditional. That's what the scripture says in Ezekiel. You, man says my ways are not fair, but is it my ways that's not un- that's fair or is it on your way that's unfair? So really, uh, it's the presumptuous and the habitual sin that we're constantly in that causes God to leave us in our mind. But if we don't repent, then he's ultimately, uh, then that's when he cuts us off. But uh, okay. it doesn't mean that we're exempt uh, from redemption if we turn our hearts. So that's, that's what I want right. to say in closing. Amen. No, that's, that's, that's really true because, you know, uh, the word of God says, you know, um, come nigh to me and I'll come nigh to you or draw close to me and I'll draw close to you. You know, when you give God a, some some room to work in, you know, like you have some people out there, they've really hardened their hearts towards God, you know, for what reason, I don't know, but they really have allowed Satan to blind them to the truth, yes. you know. Mm-hmm. But when you give God some room, I've seen, you know, prisoners, you know, uh, thieves. I mean, they testify on how God has did amazing things and, and revealed himself to them. And they gave, they gave God some room to work, and God was able right. to work through them and, 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 you know, show others how, listen, I can forgive any of your sins. It doesn't matter what sin it is. Just come to me, and I will, you yeah. know, I will forgive you and give you hope and work through you. But give me some room, you know. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Glory Amen. to God. It's been, great. 
boy, I, 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 boy, I seem like I need more time. I should be on for two hours. Maybe I'll, I'll catch it. And uh, there's a lot to be said here. And it, it's funny because uh, you would now, with the scripture that was just read in Romans, could these individuals who God is delivering them, who, who's the, who gave them over to a reprobate mind, as the woman of God was saying, can they turn to Christ? Absolutely. Now, and those individuals, mind you, can be the elect. Uh, I would also go on to say, because we don't know who the elect are. I'll, I'll give an example. Of, in closing, uh, there's a, a Hollywood actor uh, who was an atheist at one point in time, hated God. And now he's evangelizing. He's, he's, he's a Christian now. So uh, we don't know. You, you know, God, there's a scripture in Isaiah where the Lord says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So no one can comprehend the mind of God. And we really need to stay out of uh, the Lord's business because People who we would say, oh, there's no way this person, uh, God would forgive them for what they did. There's no way this person would be considered God's elect. And 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 and, and I know in uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, they have what they call the anointed class and the earthly class. And, and there's 144,000 that are going to go to heaven. And then you have the other class that's going to remain here on earth. And and, and I get and that's a teaching. That's another teaching in itself. But my my point here is the, right. And uh, yes, exactly. They will be judged based on what they know. Um, and you know, the thing is, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility as believers to plant the seed, to preach the gospel the way it's supposed to be preached, to preach the gospel in the spirit, not according to any organization, not according to man's own understanding. As Jesus said, that God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So when we go to people with the gospel, the spirit of God must be in it. It can't be according to man's own understanding. It can't be according to any particular uh, 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 philosophical worldview. That's not how we come at people. But we come with the truth. We come with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we will not, as the woman of God said, we cannot and we will not compromise. If you don't like what we have, if you don't like what we're uh, saying, if it pierces you in some way, then maybe we're doing our job, because that's the whole idea. The word of God is sharp; it cuts, no doubt. And some people don't want to hear what we have to say, but hey, God is not slack concerning His promise; He will return. Christ will return, and He calls us to prepare people for His return. So, on that note, uh. It is now 8.32, 8.33 p.m. Thank you, women of God, for uh, uh, joining me on Kingdom Empowerment Radio. I'm looking forward to uh, 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 hearing from you again. God bless you. So, again, in closing, this is not to uh, have people choose Calvin over Arminius. This is not what this is about. Do your research. Research uh, these theologians to see what they believe when it comes to uh, total depravity and, and atonement and salvation. It's a very, very interesting study, and I hope um, I was able to help some people tonight. I pray that Kingdom Empowerment Radio was, uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, able to reach uh, some people tonight, open some hearts, open some eyes, open some minds uh, to the gospel of Jesus Christ and to 
encourage people to study. Study. Make the Word of God a study. Get into the Word of God. Purchase a, a good study Bible, a, 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 a good Bible dictionary. Um, a Strong's Concordance is one of my favorites. Get into the Word. Become a student of the Word. So this way, when you go out and you evangelize, uh, and I would also say, and study the Hebrew and the Greek. Yes, absolutely. Uh, take classes on, on, in Hebrew, uh, uh, biblical Hebrew and biblical Greek. It will help you in your uh, 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 e- e- evangelism, and I think it's a necessity in my opinion. So with that being said, I'm going to wrap up right there. Um, if anyone has any additional uh, questions or comments, uh, please feel free to email me, uh, pkwgraves at gmail.com. Again, that's pkwgraves at gmail. Dot com. It has been a pleasure being with. Thank you, Dr. Ganny. Thank you, Mr. Ganny, for allowing me to be a part of Kingdom Empowerment Radio. This is your host for this evening, Chaplain Kevin Graves, and um, I'm looking forward to being with you again next time. And God bless you, and thank you very much for being with me tonight. Be well. Take care now. Bye. Nice.